This is a Mr. Thrive Media production. Hey Thrivers, hope you're staying healthy and well. A lot of social media outlets and content creators have been showing off resources to the late COVID-19 pandemic. Here's my take on everything. Do the five. One, wash your hands. Two, cough into your elbow. Three, don't touch your face. Four, stay six feet away from others. Five, if you feel ill, stay home. Otherwise, I don't have any other clever resources for you. I won't pretend to have answers, nor will I sensationalize the situation as so many are doing. What I will do is take advantage of the opportunity to be my best self. I've been running a lot more. I've been eating better. A lot of tofu. I've been being nice to myself, taking breaks when I need to, taking naps, playing video games, working on side projects, spending time with my girlfriend. I've minimized and maximized my social life at the same time. And yes, Zoom calls are not the same as being social, but nothing beats a virus like staying happy and safe at the same time. That's all I'm going to say. My challenge to you is this. Be optimistic. It is too easy, dare I say, a lazy mindset to look at the gloom and take it as 2020's defining feature. Don't do that. There's more. This is an opportunity not a meltdown. Treat yourselves well and stay thriving. Let's lower the curve in the stats and widen the curve on your smile. Let's spread positive health and growth to its full potential. Speaking of health and growth, we'd like to thank the Consciousness Network for sponsoring today's episode. The Consciousness Network has an outstanding record for improving the quality of life for thousands of people at a time with their mission. To spread awareness, compassion, service, community, well-being, and environmental sustainability. With the goal of creating healthier, more harmonious, and just communities, I've left events feeling more enlightened than ever before. One program I'm particularly excited for is with Dr. Michael Beckwith, speaking on what it takes to create an abundant and inspired life. Find out more on thecn.org. That is thecn.org. Thanks, and enjoy the show. have stumbled upon Mr. Thrive, Stars of Tomorrow, where together we will discover emerging artist, content creator, Andres Trujillo. Andres, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thank you for having me. This is my very first one. I'm very excited. Right. But as you just got done telling me, which I actually didn't know before this, you had edited a lot of podcasts prior to this. Yeah. So um, when I started my new role, I was like, oh, I'm actually really good at uh, editing stuff. And I found out that they had uh, their own podcast. I was like, let's bring it back. Let's do it. So um, it would be called the Daily Brief Podcast. And we uh, would interview people in the industry and entertainment marketing every week. Yeah. Well, welcome to my world. That's pretty much what I do. Well, artists in general, but that's what I do. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's great. No, Andres, you're a content creator. You make a lot of different things. And from what I understand, you even are working on a web series right now. I've had kind of an idea since college. I had, um, I guess, like a proof of concept that kind of evolved into more of less of a workplace mockumentary, which was the original idea, to more about focusing on the college life in general and having that part kind of like sprinkled in. So I'm done writing it. It's eight episodes right now. And since I've never written a web series, there really isn't like a like a class that teaches you like, oh, a three X structure and how to do that with, maybe you want to do it for 10 minutes rather than like three minutes or four minutes. So I'm kind of trying to figure out what my next steps are. I kind of have an idea of the overall like season story structure, but um, in terms of like editing, making sure that my um, outline is like, uh, that my T's are crossed, making sure the I's are dotted, like everything is good to go before I move on to the next step and reach out to the people that I know are valuable members in the industry. So I'm not like, oh, this this script is actually super not okay. You know, it's like a little shitty. Like, why would you like send it to me? So I'm kind of in that uh, editing process right now. And it's exciting. I mean, the they tell you as long as you have a script, that's like the hardest part. Cause then you can just edit, you can get uh, feedback from people. So yeah, that's where I'm at right now. That makes perfect sense. I actually am friends with uh, Rob McKittrick. Rob McKittrick is the guy who wrote the movie uh, Waiting with Ryan Reynolds in it. 
and I sat down with him once. I bought I bought him burrito for his time. And I Amazing. Said, yeah, <laughs> perfect. I wish it was always like that. I'd love to buy Anne Hathaway a burrito just to sit across the table from Anne Hathaway. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I asked him for his advice on screenwriting. Mm-hmm. And he said this very simply. He says, just write the fucking script. As soon as you have the fucking yes. script, you can do something with it. I'm like, oh my God, duh. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not asking him for how to do syntax or grammatical fixes, you know? Totally exactly. makes sense. How close are you to being done with your script? So I finished it maybe like a month ago, probably a little longer. And I keep revisiting it. I I might be going for a run and I'm like, oh my God, what if you raise the stakes this way? Because it's all about like raising the stakes. How do you create more conflict? How do you make, right now I feel like my script is a little basic in terms of the dialogue. So how do I make sure that, that I avoid that? Or how do I make the characters more complex? And then at the same time, do I have the resources to actually do the things that I think would help add more value to the story? But if there's anything that I've learned is that you could have a really good script, you could have one setting and people will still, like if the, if the characters are deep and complex enough and the dialogue is good, those things kind of shouldn't matter. So I'm like kind of like juggling all of those things. And so actually I started to watch other web series. Um, I found, I forgot this, the name of the site, but there's this um, program at Northwestern where they focus on funding short uh, web series or films or things like that that are more about intersectionality. So it's about like people of color, disabled people or LGBT members, like all of those things. And they, I would have to say that they're definitely very, very um, amateur. They have all the, they, they obviously know like all their, um, their camera angles and all that stuff, but you, you know that they're, might've been their first or second one. But what's so funny is I've recognized some of the faces that we see now on like, I forget what actor was in The Politician. Uh, they were actually in one of the series that I just watched literally like two days ago. And I was like, oh my God. So that just goes to show that you have to just start somewhere and even if it's super shitty, you will get better and learn like, hey, looking back at it, like um, maybe I would have done this and would have done that. So I'm trying to see what they are doing right and what they're doing wrong, how long their series, how long each episode is and how their story progresses. Cause I think that's my biggest issue. How does, how do you get from like a feature, you kind of have an idea of like how long you have until you hook someone, but with like a web series, you have like 15 seconds, like are my first 15, like, catchy enough so definitely done with the script but there's I feel like a lot to do still in terms of like navigating the space of media and um, having those bits of content that then you can put onto social media to promote it and all that good stuff I think that makes perfect sense and you know you're you're kind of doing more than just writing the screenplay you're actually producing it you're observing how the other productions have been going what their quality is do you see any common motifs in terms of the production style or the production process between these different web series? I think one of the easiest ways, okay, so I I see two different things. One of the easiest ways is have each episode kind of like live on its own or do like the first half, like do two or three episodes and then try to sell that idea to finish and kind of go bigger in the latter half, which I've also seen happen. For the ones that have more funding, then those are kind of the ones that I'm like kind of gearing towards because they're not, the episodes don't live by themselves and the story and the character arcs do reach to the very end. So I would love for this not to be my like, let's just see how things work. But um, at the same time, I've also heard that you're going to create some amazing things and you're going to create some not so amazing things. So I'm kind of have to, I kind of have to just like swallow that pill and just like accept like this could be like the best thing that I've ever done or I could do it, learn from it. And maybe there's like a second season. I don't know. So yeah, those are the thing. I guess those are the learnings right now that I have from watching like really good ones or just like really amateur ones. And, and that makes perfect sense. You know, there, there are so many things to learn from, from those who are before you. That's kind of mm-hmm. how I approach this podcasting because podcasting isn't my main thing. But this has, in a weird way, fit into a passion of mine. And the biggest podcast that I actually critique is actually this very podcast, because I will do the thing that many are uncomfortable to do and rewatch mm-hmm. what I've already made, listen right. to myself. And sometimes I'll listen and I'll go, 
God, I should have asked that other question. I just thought of this question that would have been so engaging, you know, mm-hmm. and it's really led to this point. So I totally understand you. I think that's, I think that your way of kind of cross-referencing everything makes perfect sense. Is there a timeline for when you think production can start? Well, before this mess, um, yeah. I definitely had like, I was eyeing like, uh, I gave myself like two months to write the whole thing. Um, I ended up finishing it uh, a month early. I kind of finished it like maybe around March. And then I was going to do some editing, try to reach out to people. I started going to networking events specifically for Latinx and other uh, people of color creators because I feel like those are the kinds of people that I wanted to surround myself with. And I got some really good contacts. So that was going to be my way of like reaching out, finding a, a community really to reach out to and say, hey, this is the kind of story that I want to tell. Do you, would you like to get a coffee, maybe a burrito? And um, talk over like the potential things that that I could do better on my script or something like that. So now with none of that happening, I honestly, and I just moved, like I got furloughed recently. So like my life has just been like turned all the way upside down. But I guess right now I'm just, I finally settled in. This is I think like the first week and I'm like getting all my ducks in a row. I know that the script, I've been like doing some like light edits, but you know, setting things up like this, maybe it isn't over a coffee, maybe it is over like a happy hour kind of situation where they're at their house and I'm at mine and really talk about like, what are the things that I could do to make this a better script? So maybe like July, I don't know, like maybe when this, all of this kind of like uh, dies down a little bit, I do have like a goal by like the end of the year, something needs to happen. Production should have started. It's only eight episodes. Even if we get like two or three in, I would be the the happiest camper in Los Angeles because that was one of my resolutions. But as you know, things happen sometimes. Well, let's hope this is over by July. Yeah, definitely. Because God, we're tired of it. um, If there's one thing, one little nugget that I got out of this conversation so far is that a burrito goes a long way. It definitely does. I was actually thinking of getting one today. I am not going to lie. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, you're talking about networking, but given this quarantine, have you been able to network virtually? I have seen opportunities. Um, I follow a bunch of organizations like Nalip and Nosotros, and they, at the beginning around like March and stuff, everybody was like scrambling to try to figure out how to create these virtual events. And I know like Nalip had their, our, we're going to have their like four day, like intense event thing where it's all about networking and panels and stuff like that. So instead of doing that, they were doing things virtually, but it was all at the time when I was working, which really sucked. So I did get to miss a lot of those, but I've been connecting with just individuals um, one-on-one and just talking about like, what are you doing right now? Like, are there like projects that you put on hold because of it? Like, do you want to read the script? Do you have time to read uh, my script? You know, things like that. So definitely very light on that, but I'm really happy to see that, well, one, now I have more time and actually I'm able to attend those virtual events. And two, um, I just know a bunch of people that are, you know, trying to figure out how to best use this time with their creativity. And sometimes it is just like getting on a Zoom call or even here with my roommate, just like bouncing off ideas. So it makes sense. And actually, the reason why I ask about the networking, I've mentioned this on previous episodes of the podcast, but Mr. Thrive Media, uh, it's fledgling the stars of tomorrow. And Mm-hmm. Around Stars of Tomorrow, we were actually going to create the Stars of Tomorrow Network. It's a networking, a networking inlet, essentially, for artists across the nation to be able to meet. And I really do mean across the nation because we've been, this podcast has actually been drawing some attention from multiple different states uh, all the way to the East Coast, which is really phenomenal to think about, you know? That's awesome. We were going to launch our first event in April. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and uh, that fell through. And that makes me think, because I've been thinking about like, okay, I can wait until this quarantine is over, but maybe there's also a way I can get started now. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, like right now, I'm not even setting something up. I'm literally just spitballing off the, off the whim, off the mm-hmm. top of my head. So the audience is literally listening to my thought process right now. You're literally listening to my thought process right now. Because <laughs> I want to get it started. I, I, I think I'd be missing an opportunity if I didn't get Mr. Thrive Media to pursue this presence. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Totally. So what I've seen done is usually they bring like, a, there's like a theme and they bring someone on that's like um, a screenwriter or has had experience writing for a show. And then they kind of like, kind of lead. It's either like a Q&A a thing or um, 
they have a presentation on best practices, which is something that my company really tried to do as soon as, because we, all we did was events. So imagine like we have, we have an event in Europe, in Vegas, in San Francisco, and in LA all throughout the year and in uh, Miami. So we were trying to figure out how do we get all of these people? Oh, we, we would have conferences. That was the word I was looking for earlier. Uh, we would hold conferences and we were like, how do we pivot to like webinars and stuff like that? So I, if you need any help with any of that, I have many, many pointers. I kind of helped kind of put the, these things together, networking as well, for sure. So yeah, I 100% agree. I feel like there are so many people out there who are like, oh, I want to talk to someone, but they just don't know like right. who to who to follow to you know find out about these events the other thing as well you know part of part of my inspiration for wanting to create the networking event was pre-podcast and this thing i've also mentioned in the past but i'm not afraid to reiterate it pre-podcast you know i was an audio technician i was a sound mixer and mm. i was doing a lot of i was doing a lot of that work and actually i was going to a networking event for sound mixers the uh, clever name oh, no for, this, for this group was mixer for mixers I thought it was genius. Oh, I love that. Um, but it's all I about branding. That, it's all about branding. <laughs> it's all about branding. And as much as I love that group and, and the people within it, I noticed that there was a problem. And the mm -hmm. problem was that the people who give sound mixers jobs weren't in that room. So it was only sound mixers in that room, which means that the best that a sound mixer can do in order to get their career started is ask another sound mixer for a referral or for a sound mixer to come in and substitute someone. And I realized mm -hmm. that very much so, different facets of the industry are sectioned off to be completely on their own as in the camera people stay with the cameraman the actors stay with the actors and the the goal with this the goal with this networking group is actually to get every blend of person that's in entertainment or art in general into the same room to network right. so i want to get the producer in the same room as the painter in the same room as the social media guru as the, in the same room as an author because there's a team there that can be made you know what i mean right and i think that you know so, so the networking i really want to be focused around team building like who's on your team who can you rely on because if there's one thing that's true about the nature of the beast of the industry is that none of this is survivable without a team totally so i'm wondering if you might have any insight on what it what it takes to kind of build that team from the start in a room full of people you've never met before i mean i feel like the first thing you would need to figure out are what are your needs like are you um are you a social media con are you an influencer do you just need an editor and someone to manage the camera i feel like knowing those needs going into it you'll find it'll be easier for you to know who to network with yeah so i feel like that would be like my initial thought that's really smart that is really smart. So that actually gives me some ideas that I'm actually not going to share right now. But come the time where I either host the, the networking events virtually or not virtually, so, or, or in person, I mean, mm -hmm. we'll base it around that mentality. And that's actually, that was actually really insightful, Andres. And I really appreciate that because that's given me some, some thoughts. So maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe outside the interview, I'll share them with you because I'd like to talk more about this. Going back yeah, to you, absolutely. Though, I would love to go back. To you. <laughs> um, going back to you, though, Andres, you're creating this web series right now. It's inspired. You said it's about an immigrant going into college. That's that's a, that has a lot to do with you, doesn't it? Yeah. So I find, like, I've read a bunch of scripts. I've done short films here and there. I've helped on sets and stuff. And um, but I haven't really done too much of my own writing. Really, that's been produced. So I think I find it easier to write about the stories that I know, which are about uh, my experience and stuff like that. And one, I went to USC, so it's not particularly like the most diverse, um, especially in the film industry. Um, I was a business major at one point and it was, it was even, I was literally the only Hispanic person in almost every class. So definitely a lot of, definitely there's a lot to tell there, you know, not everyone's college experience is the same for many, many reasons. Um, I'm an immigrant as well. So that kind of puts a little like fun into the mix. Um, my parents didn't go to college. Being an immigrant, having all of those things, I'm like, this is a great story. Like not everyone, there are really hardworking families out there and other Latinos like me who um, 
you know, go to these amazing schools, but like we continue to tell the same story over and over and over. So I'm like, it's, um, they always say, write what you know. And what, what I know is one, it's, is not being seen. And two, it's kind of important for me, especially, you know, really who watch so who watches so much TV and not seeing myself is like, kind of like, you know, the drive for me to want to do this, but also, you know, open the opportunity for someone else to one see themselves if they're Latino or not, even any person of color or however, however they can relate to say, Hey, maybe I want to do, I want to tell my story. I want to be able to do the same. So that's what's fueling my creativity and my motivation to do all these things. I think that's great. And, you know, I, I think that's actually really hard to come by nowadays during this quarantine. It can be so hard for people to get off the couch and stop feeling sorry for themselves. And it seems like you're doing mm -hmm. that, the complete opposite of that. Yeah, honestly, like there's nothing else to do. I've been running every day. I've been uh, working on my fitness because um, I know you got to keep the brain brain active. And I'm like, you know what? I'm really going to kick myself. And I really hate for saying this because like, obviously we're going through this like insane time in our lives that will never happen again. So part God, of me is like, so. okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Like, oh my God. No, but it's it's about like, one okay like cut yourself some slack like this really like you lost your job like you, i had a move in like a month like all these crazy things like take it easy but at the same time like if i don't like if i don't use this time i know i'm gonna like regret it because one like this is it this is the moment where i'm like i can really like sit down and focus and just like use this time to lay the groundwork for the latter half of the year when i know things are probably gonna like ease up and i'm gonna start I'm going to hit the ground running and it's definitely a case by case basis. I know there are some people who are going through so much more and they just need to take the time to take care of themselves. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm doing right now. A little it bit makes, of both. <laughs> it makes, it makes perfect sense. And actually, you know, I, I keep on saying this to all my friends who are, who have been expressed to me that they're struggling. This is the time to be nice to ourselves. You know, even, even if, yes. even if, you know, you feel like you really should be productive. Like, yes, being productive is nice, but do it. Be productive at your own pace. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, like, make sure you maybe drink more water. Um, I started making smoothies. Like, I'm doing all these things that I've never would have a, a chance to do because I'm like usually working like late or having to go to the gym and all that stuff. But now the gym, my house is the gym. Like, <laughs> you know. Right. So. Does that mean? So you. you it sounds like yourself and your personal care has become a project, but are there other projects as well that you're working on right now besides the web series? Like mm. quarantine projects, you know? Honestly, no. I've been, one of the things that I've been trying to do this year is um, read more scripts. It's super easy to watch something, but reading that, especially we don't read too much. I haven't read in a while, so, um, which is really awful. I, the best quote that I ever heard about reading is once you stop reading, you stop learning that has stuck to me until this day. So my friend actually from work, she went to this really cool event. I think, uh, I forgot the upfronts. She went to the upfronts and Fleabag was there and she got um, the whole Fleabag uh, like scripture. So she gifted me that and I'm like, this is gonna be my first like quarantine activity. So I started reading that to figure out how, how they're bringing this insane, have you seen Fleabag? I have not, no. So you need to get on that, like, as soon as we are over here, it is so good. And I was telling people way before everybody got, like, super crazy about it. But, like, the way they bring the script to life and all of the um, elements that they bring from, from just the script is, like, absolutely insane. So not only am I watching the, TV, the, the other people's series, but also, like, learning how to structure it in a script. What am I missing? Am I not being descriptive en enough? how how did they get this complex character off of like these words you know what i mean so i'm not actually like making anything um but you know i'm doing i'm trying to get as much i'm very like okay i need to know this so when i'm talking to hopefully in the future someone that is, i'm producing a uh, a script for someone and i need to be able to communicate with them or um by watching these like amateur web series, you realize like, oh, they, they their eyeline is wrong or, oh, they could have used a better cut right there. You know what I mean? And I also edit. So I'm trying to get as much, trying to arm myself with as many things, as many tools that I can use as possible 
to be as effective as I can on set, you know, especially because I know I'm going to be making some really guerrilla stuff right now. Um, like, yeah, just like really on myself here and there. But also, I have been considering painting, but <laughs> that's really? completely different. Yeah, I used to paint a lot as a kid. So there, there's projects, there's projects, but um, I got to take it one day at a time. I'm finally like settled in. So. Talk about content creator. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you. And oh yeah, and of course writing. So yeah. like here, little here and there. Well, yeah, no, I mean, I, during this quarantine, there's, there's a certain sense of freedom despite being quote unquote imprisoned in my own home. You know, there's, mm -hmm. you know, I, there's, there's definitely the freedom of having all the time that I normally would spend on the road driving to work. Yeah. So for example, I'm working on two scripts right now and I'm about to take on a third script. Those two scripts actually are both with writing partners individually. One writing partner that you know, Nick Benjamin. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, nice. we're working on a script together. And uh, the other script is with uh, my roommate who is also on the first season of this podcast, uh, Izzy Salant, working on uh, another script with him. But I have a personal script that I wanna write about my experience working for Dave and Busters. And, um, oh, nice. <laughs> so there's that. But then also I took on this new project. It's going to probably just be a hobby, but I'm still going to post it professionally because it can be added mm -hmm. to my reel somehow. My girlfriend, Shelly featured in the premiere of season two of this podcast. Uh, mm -hmm. she taught me rotoscope animation and oh, I no way. yeah. So I actually, um, I first started with a simple praying mantis. And the movement mm. of the praying mantis is so fascinating watching its arms and legs coordinated in the way that it go, walks across. But then the next thing that I drew, far more complicated in, in its movement, because it's a lot more subtle, is a cat. I drew, I, I, I drew my girlfriend's cat, Storm. And uh, it's going to be posted on social media very soon. By the time this episode airs, the cat will already be on my Instagram. So you should guys go check it out. Storm looks great and curious, as he always does. Uh, nice, nice. Rotoscope animation is a totally new thing for me, so this is very neat. I'm, I'm very excited about it. When I used to work at an agency, they would throw that phrase around a lot, and then when I like sat down and like, because it's used, you could use like After Effects, you could use Premiere, whatever. Um, I'm like, this is absolutely insane. It will, uh, like, even just try beginning to learn it is just like making my brain explode. Like, it's so insane. Right. So, uh, congrats. Like, this is a, that's awesome. Right, right. Well, I, I've had this I've had this animation tablet since towards the end of college, and I've not put it to any proper use, and that's probably my mm -hmm. greatest cardinal sin, um, because I've I've had this technology and I just haven't used it. And there was even a point where I was considering selling it, and given what I just recently created, I'm so happy I didn't get rid of it. You know. Yeah. No. And it's all about going back to the whole like starting your. Um, start it today whatever you want to do start today even if it's just like a little bit definitely dude like that's that's the way to go do and i, and I'm, I only say that just because like people need to take care of themselves first but um during this time yeah just like set aside 10 minutes open a book meditate all that's all it takes because it's not about starting it it's about continuing to do it making it a habit so that's awesome dude congrats Thank you. It sounds like for you, though, that books are actually a, a major part of your life because, as you said, the moment you stop reading a book, you stop learning. Uh, what, what book has had the greatest impact on you? So it's so funny you say that because when I was moving, I found a bunch of books. And one of the books that I, um, that I still have, usually I would donate them after I'm like done reading them, um, was The Glass Castle, which is a memoir by Jeanette Walls. Wow. And so long story short, she basically went through very similar, well, not very similar, but somewhat similar life experiences that kind of shaped who she was. And I just remember one part where um, her dad takes her to a pool and she's maybe like four years old and they like, he like throws her into the deep end. And like, that was his way of teaching her how to swim. And guess whose parents also did that when I was six years old they threw me into the deep end to make sure that I learned how to swim real quick. So <laughs> like, there's just so many little stories like that, but 
I feel like that honestly has like defined like who I am as a person and the way those kind of like difficult struggles have shaped who I am and shaped who she was because like you're drowning you either start swimming or you're dead you know what I mean so and as someone who has literally had no one to help because like my entire family is still in Ecuador still in Colombia um it's just like me my mom and my little brother here and my stepdad so like kind of just like navigating it all by yourself uh, which is exactly what she did is really something to one be proud of even though when things could get really rough but two knowing that you're all you get through it you'll get stronger and that's kind of why I'm still like motivated throughout all of these kinds of things because I know that I've been not worse but like in a different sense um I've been through it you know so making the best that I can of what I have because all it all it comes down to is like when I'm grateful like I still have a place to live like I don't I'm not homeless you know what I mean like things get rough so so you should read it it's it's a really short book but and it's a super easy read I would love to um as a matter of fact though I'm I'm kind of picking up on something as you're talking about this you're talking about rough times and you're also talking about you know the 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 act of being thrown into the deep end without any knowledge can you draw a personal experience from that metaphor that you described? Well, I, I would say my entire life, um, but <laughs> I mean, so like I would see, like for example, I saw this meme recently and it's like of this like little kid and they're reenacting like when you kind of had to figure out how to do the FAFSA and you're like super young or like you're trying to read these like documents that your parents who don't speak English and you're like eight years old trying to figure that out. That is like the epitome of like, me knowing like English and like my family not knowing English and like me trying to like translate and they're like what are you doing like you're supposed to be going to school and I'm like mom I'm eight like you know <laughs> what I mean like how am I supposed to know what this is so and then just like navigating like college and like going to school and like how I said like FAFSA and stuff like that um yeah I mean I mean like I don't want to say like my entire life because like that's kind of how it was but you know just like little things like that that you're not really that you would think your parents would do for you, but you kind of have to like figure it out yourself. I can tell that these experiences have sort of molded you into the brave person that you are today because what you're doing is not an easy thing. I commend you for that, seriously. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah it's, it's been, it's been, it's, a, it's like a double-edged sword because like you kind of wish that you had, cause like I had an older brother, but he lived with my dad. So I never really got to get any guidance from him. So. Yeah, it's like you kind of wish you had someone there, but at the same time, like, oh, I didn't. So I kind of was able to, like, learn and do it myself. And not to say that my parents didn't help. Like, they provided me with as much as they could that allowed me to have these opportunities. So that's what I'm honestly grateful for. I think that's great. I have a question that's going to make half the people listening to this right now feel uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. and the other half of the people start applauding. Uh That is, you know, I personally am a white guy, a white Mm -hmm. heterosexual man in a heteronormative society, right? Mm -hmm. But one thing's for sure, I will never understand what it means to be a person of color or an immigrant. And I wanted to ask you, what is something that a white guy like myself will never understand when meeting an immigrant for the first time? I guess one thing is we we throw the word privilege around a lot, but it's just such a big encompassing word that a lot of people don't realize the like the details of what that really means, the socioeconomic and sociopolitical uh, sexuality, all of those things, like how all of those kind of like mold into how easy it could be when you have all of these things when in reality like for for example like me i'm i'm bisexual i'm an immigrant i didn't even speak english when i came here like there are so many things that i had to do for myself to kind of get to where my peers were at so for example like maybe you talking to me i might not come off as like quote unquote like an immigrant or someone who didn't speak english when they were little i think that understanding that the privilege kind of does provide you a lot of opportunities and we i think we all know that but to truly understand that is will be i think it'll be impossible to be honest so i guess like the the term privilege 
because yeah i mean like it, but if you compare it like to my my family back home like everyone there like is fine like they all went to college they all um went to really good schools um in south america so i guess like those kinds of struggles is kind of what makes it difficult being here and not having an established like family history you know like my great-grandparents were here my grandparents were here whatever so yeah i guess the idea of privilege i don't know if that really answered the question but but yeah i think we all know what privilege is and we talk about it especially in like the the more um liberal side of things but it's still such a vast idea that's kind of hard to like pick at and a lot of people still don't understand it in this country and yeah it's it's very weird I, and for, for me personally, I'll tell you right now, I, I find it weird that for some people in, the, in our country, it's hard to understand what privilege is. And I think the quarantine has uh, exposed some of that lately mm-hmm. with all the yeah, absolutely. armed protest, which just to me should be treated like a riot. But because they're white, they're, they're, they're allowed to walk into a government building with armed weapons, with, with, with loaded weapons. Exactly. And there's like, no one's getting hurt. Like people are keeping it very tame. And that goes along with like, even with getting a business loan, like I might have all the qualifications, but just because my last name doesn't sound white or, and and it's not just like with me, it's like, obviously, um, other people of color as well, or all, all people of color. Totally. Yeah, that's exactly it. And that's getting more of the, um, of press while the people that are like protesting like Costco and Amazon, they're not. And guess what? They're largely people of color. So. Yeah. Um, it's a very weird reality. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing that I, I, I experienced a very weird and cathartic experience when I was traveling Europe for the mm-hmm. first time. Well, so this wasn't my first time in, in Wales, but it was my first time in Wales as an adult because the first time I was there, I was two years old. So it doesn't really count. Uh-huh. Um, but when I started traveling and I met up with my family in Wales in 20, 2017, I had a very weird experience. And that was uh, driving in my aunt's car. She was driving us to her home in Kafili. When I look over to the left and I see farm fields and I saw something that I should have seen in my life, but I've never seen before. And mm-hmm. that was a white man on a farm. Mm-hmm. And that's like such a weird thought to me that I've only seen, uh, you know, immigrants, you know, I, I've only seen people of color on a field mm-hmm. in America. And that was my first time seeing a white person working on a field. And that's a weird feeling for me. Like that's when things really started to come into perspective for me for the first time on the subject of privilege, on the subject of American politics, uh, the American climate, you know. And uh, that was a weird experience. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, If you think about it, like the Italians were once considered non-white, the Irish were considered non-white, you know what I mean? So it's definitely been like a cycle through of like who is deemed like the lesser of the kind to make it, to kind of implement the the ideology that someone's better, I can have control over you and stuff like that, which, you know, it kind of ebbs and flows, you know, like we had the Japanese internment camps, we have, now we have ICE and immigration and um and that's not to say like the muslim population as well so super super crazy i used to be i used to really love history so we can talk about this all all day (laughs) well we'll, i'll tell you what we'll start a new podcast just so you and i can can co-host this topic how does that (laughs) yes yes (laughs) the socioeconomic learnings of uh the united states perfect but talking about podcasts though you i want to talk a little bit about your career you know, pre-quarantine and kind of what we were doing after college, you were working with Regal Cinema, right? Yeah. So I used to work for um, a creative agency called Something Massive. And I kind of got lucky. I, before that, I was working for this bar, Saves Lives, as like a content creator. I would go in there, take a bunch of pictures, uh, create videos of um, these granola, granola bars that you find at Starbucks. And um, super fun, but it was not like a full-time gig. So I'm like, um, I need to pay some bills. Like, what's going on? So I started to apply for um, for agency jobs because I heard that that pays a lot better than stuff that you get in film. And it was still kind of like my creative outlet. So 
I kind of got lucky with my account was because I was an account coordinator. Uh, my account was Regal Cinemas and a bunch of others. And there I learned client talent uh, relationships, how to manage a social media account, how to grow a social media account, how to post on YouTube, uh, on Facebook, Twitter, um, all that good stuff. So, and I, I loved movies. So I was like, this is great. I got to go to red carpets. I, I got to host red carpets. Honestly, that job, it was very stressful because it, you know, as most agencies are, but I did get to learn super quickly how to write an email, how to <laughs> talk to like million dollar clients. You know what I mean? So definitely like the deepest learning curve that I've ever had in my life, but I'm honestly super grateful. And I got lucky because I got to work with Regal. That's amazing. How long were you working with them for? I was there for a year and a month, a year and two months, somewhere around there. A little more than a year. Well, that's great. Yeah. I think that's really yeah, awesome. Yeah. Well, no, I, you know, I'm, I'm actually kind of fascinated by that path because I, I have a little bit of experience with talent agency stuff. And, and also I, I just, even though I know how to do social media on a basic level, I don't consider myself good at it. And I feel like there's like these different secrets that I just don't know yet. And I've even, you know, listened to some people on their insights on social media. And I was wondering if you could share with me and like-minded audience members listening, what is a secret about social media that most people don't understand? I think the most important thing is knowing what's going on in the, um, the social climate, the social zeitgeist, if you will. And really capitalizing on that moment. So for example, something that I did most recently, or let's talk about Regal. Um, one of the things that I switched for them was like, they were, they were a little bit dated. You know what I mean? They, they didn't have a younger voice. They, you could definitely tell what kind of era they were stuck in. And I kind of wanted to bring them up to speed with like, their messaging. And that's another thing that I learned how to do at um, something massive, you know, learn, about brand voice and um, tone and all that stuff. So, and how to write copy. So bringing them up to kind of more of like a 20, at the time was like 2018, bringing them up to date and capitalizing on those moments that are like super timely. Like for example, we had this like really, really um, engaging post that was about, had nothing to do with Regal or movies. It was when Yeezy dropped uh, the new, I think they were called Butter Shoes. And it was Kim Kardashian. She was like lying down like this and she totally looked extremely photoshoppable. And I'm like, why don't we just Photoshop her on top of a bed of popcorn? Like that sounds funny and it's, people are going to love it. <laughs> and I am not kidding. That popped off. Like Regal was super happy. You know what I mean? It's just like have like using what's going on right now and kind of just like molding it into what it is that we can do. Or when um, twenty when Disney bought Twentieth Century Fox, Twentieth Century Fox, um, Deadpool was a part of that merger. And would you consider him a Disney princess? You know what I mean. So we sure. photoshopped him with a line of all the Disney princesses, and that also popped off. So it's like using what's going on, and because um, these people they're on social media twenty four seven. You have you have to be even ahead of them. Um, and then a more recent example at my old job, Netflix posted on Twitter something that said like, what is something that you can say as a social media man that you can say during sex, but also as your social media manager? Do you remember that? I that do remember also that, yeah. Off. And so one of the things, so we also hold awards at my old company and I was like, it's time to enter. Like... Perfect. You know what I mean? Just like there's just like the words that we use every day that you never in a million years would have thought that was like quote unquote sexual, but like here we are. So yeah, I feel like using that and even on my own personal channel, the very first video that I ever did, because I've always wanted to make like fun sketches and stuff like that, um, it went viral. It was super simple. I was like, it was about bird box, if you remember bird box, like all I the bird box memes. Um, literally got so many, um, so many views and I'm just so sad because I'm like, of course I like sh shot so high on the first time. How am I going to top this? 
but you know it's just like really being on top of that and just like being quick with it doesn't even have to be like well done you just have to be quick you have to be witty and you have to be smart so i guess that would be like my number one and my number two be consistent because there's an audience out there for everyone you just have to know how to reach out to them and make make sure that they find you it's all about discoverability there's like so many things to do with that but those are like the main two that's good to know i mean I think back to what could have Mr. Thrive Media done during uh, Tiger King, you know? <laughs> well, like, mm -hmm. we're, we're seeing like, the after effects right now of Tiger King, but I would say mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago was when it was peaking in popularity. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? And that was an opportunity to capitalize. So now, knowing that, what I'm personally going to do is I'm going to be ready to make content for Mr. Thrive Media in accordance to whatever is going on. So. Yeah. There was text. even, yeah, yeah, and there was even, um, so I'm all about TikTok. We recently got my TikTok banned, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so I had to start a new one. Um, but I got so many was, questions now. <laughs> I know, I know. Next podcast. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, so Megan the Stallion, of course, she has her savage video, like everyone's doing the TikTok dances or whatever, but then someone created um, a lyrical parody video with um, Tiger King. So they matched up two viral things together and that also popped. So it's like the creativity of these people sometimes is just like so good. And that's what makes you garner an audience. You know what I mean? If being funny and witty is your thing and being at the forefront of whatever's happening, like you're gonna get followers. And it sounds I'll, like- I'll, sh I'll, share, I'll share you the video because it's so good. I can probably like say it right now, but it's just too much. But anyways. <laughs> no, please send it to me after this interview. It sounds like there's a lot of freedom in the storytelling of a content creator. And in a weird way, the restriction of also being required to like know about the trends and how to use them to your advantage uh, mm -hmm. in a weird way also adds a certain sense of freedom because you wouldn't, be motivated to make that content if it wasn't for that thing happening now, you know? Right, right. So that makes it super interesting. I, I, I love it. And I think that, I think that you're very uh, conscious with social media. Do you ever get exhausted from social media? Oh, all the time. Yeah. Especially now, like everything is so doom and gloom and I'm like, oh my God, there's another thing that's happening. The bees, the killer bees, like Jesus. Yes. Well, there's actually, yeah, I, uh -huh. I watched I watched something on it. Um is it Brave Brave Wilderness? Do you ever watch that guy on YouTube? Oh maybe. Uh -huh. Brave Wilderness is this crazy guy on YouTube who finds I think it's primarily bees, but I think he's done like spiders and other crazy obscure animals that you never want to be face to face with. And he's mm -hmm. purposely provoked them to sting his arm so he can experience the pain. Oh, yes, 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 yes. This guy is insane. This guy is absolutely insane. It's, it's so cringy to watch. And he talked about the new killer hornets that are in Washington. What he said is that everyone is sensationalizing killer, these killer bees right now. And yes, they are killer, but they're going to stay very localized from what we understand. And also, they're going to be eradicated very quickly, too. They're not going to spread okay. beyond that. But social media was going crazy, saying that they're mm -hmm. going to start in Washington and go to New York. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, my God. This is the, like 2020. What a year. Killer bees, quarantine. For real. The alien <laughs> announcement. Like, yeah. we completely ignored that. Right. Apparently, there's aliens. What? <laughs> yeah. NASA confirmed. Or the government confirmed. They're like, yep, there's aliens. So... It's pretty wild yeah. and we kind of overlooked that because i don't know like our government and all that stuff yeah <laughs> i'll tell you right now i really just want to see them land on our, our on our world and just solve every problem that'd be cool or destroy us that might happen but <laughs> uh, i don't know well at this point which do you prefer you tell me <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> no but oh, okay. definitely it definitely has been getting exhausting definitely and like, of course, like my job is to stay on it and know what's going on. So it's, that's when meditation really comes really good into play here because it's my time to relax. When I go for a run and work out, I don't see my phone for like at least two hours. So 
that's kind of my way. And I know right now everyone's obsessed with TikTok. Everyone's on refreshing Twitter and stuff like that. So it's like a double-edged sword again. Like now is the time to capitalize on all the eyes that you have on social media. But at the same time, like, oh my God, another disaster or like another like government scandal or something like that. So, yeah, I think, I wonder if post quarantine, if it's going to be like a, a social media detox time for a lot of people because we're so we're currently so mm. oversaturated on screen time we're begging to get out there and that's part that's that's greatly what's inspiring some of these protests against the quarantine i don't know man it, it, it's going to be very interesting to see what we do as a, as a society post quarantine and uh how we're going to handle the second wave and all that but anyway yeah, i mean mm-hmm. no, no no continue what were you going to say i'm sorry Oh, no, I was just going to say, and you see the memes, of course, that are like, all right, I know they're lifting all this stuff, but I'm going to stay inside and watch all of y'all go outside and see what happens to y'all, <laughs> which I think is also so smart, you know, like, even though Georgia's opening up, there's a lot of people who are like, I am not going outside because everyone's just like flocking. We're going to get sick again, so. Right, man. Well, Andres, you are a man with a unique background of many talents. Mm-hmm and many capabilities if someone listening right now wanted to reach out and contact you what is the best way to to hit you up i would say my email or dm me on instagram um my instagram name is a y a n d r e s s um which is pronounced i andres which is something my mom would say all the time would be like oh my god andres like you're at it again kind of situation so or you can email me at um andres a-n-d-r-e-s-t-r-u media at gmail.com all that information will be displayed in the description below and finally andres the question i ask everybody on my podcast what Mm. will you be famous for i would say creating a space for complex characters from a poc and lgbt um, perspective and by me telling these stories and you know allowing other people to see themselves on screen will give them the courage and the drive to either do it themselves or help other communities do the same creating those stories that really haven't been heard and allowing other people to do the same like empowering other people and catch my next web series <laughs> I'm Jester Hula, ladies and gentlemen. That was awesome. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Thank you so much, man. If you've listened this far into the episode, it must mean you're a thriver. A great way to support my show is to follow my socials. You can follow my Instagram at Mr. Thrive, like the Facebook page, Mr. Thrive Media, and be sure to check out my website at www.mrthrive.com to learn more about the Thriver experience. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.